put on my two big shoes and I hopped in my car. Touchdown in the land of the Delta Blues. People saying I look bizarre. Lisa Marie Presley, won't you go on a date with me? I'm gonna need you to spot, cause doing crime doesn't pay well for me. Yeah, I'm the Joker in Memphis. I was walking with my tricks ten feet off the field. Joker in Memphis. I'm here to do a little bit of evil. Saw the ghost of Penguin. Fucking Mr. Freeze Followed them both to the gates of Graceland Then I watched Penguin suck on these nuts Now security didn't mind this They just asked me for a turn Cause there's a little tiny thing Joy that it would bring Sucking Joker's piss Yeah, I'm the Joker in Memphis I was walking with my tricks ten feet off the field Joker in Memphis I'm here to do a little bit of evil They've got hand buzzers on the table They got silly string in the air But Harley and Bats will be glad to see you When you haven't got a trick But boy, you've got a trick in Memphis That's all. <laughs> That's it. It rocks that you put 75% into that. <laughs> what is that? I can, I, sometimes you only do a verse. And that's, we can understand that. You have a busy week, you don't get to finishing writing a song parody. And then you have the full song parodies. Sure. Here you got through two verses, <laughs> chorus, and a bridge, and then you tapped out. And I'm just like, brother, <laughs> you could see the finish line. <laughs> I I just didn't give a shit <laughs> to finish that. I was right, just like, all right, all right, I was just right. like, there. What else, how much else is there really? Hold on. Let's... Let's look that up real quick. Um, we got Walking in Memphis. Okay. Uh, Reverend Green, we're glad to see if you ain't got a prayer. Yeah, boy, you got a, boy, boy, you got a prayer in Memphis. Now Muriel plays, plays the piano. piano. Okay, let's just let's, let's finish it right now. Okay, so it's now Riddler does his riddles <laughs> every. F- Every Friday at the Gotham Asylum, and they brought me down to trick her, him. They brought me down to trick him, the Riddler, and they asked me if I would trick him. Tricks, do a little trick, (laughs) and I tricked with all my might. He said. Tell me, are you a Christian Joker? Tell me, are you the Riddler child? I said, no, I'm Joker tonight. No, I'm Joker, bitch. 
Because I was tricking in Memphis, tricking in Memphis. Was tricking with my feet 10 feet off a bill. Okay, you get the point. Yeah, yeah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I put on my two big shoes and I bought it, popped in my car. Tricked down in the land of the Delta Blues. Because I'd hopped inside my car. <laughs> All right. All right. So there you go. Hundred. Per- you got the whole thing this year, this week. Yeah, we did it. We did it. You okay? I've been having a really... I, honestly, man, I am feeling great. I am feeling That's awesome. great. I am feeling great. I'm feeling great. How are you doing? Uh, I'm. By the time this episode comes out, I will have gotten my second shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am getting my second shot tomorrow as of recording this. Yeah, so you're hydrating. You're getting ready for those. Oh, yeah. I think the, this is the most water food. I've ever drank in my drink. Is it drank? Most water I've ever drank? You pull up. Wait, is this in the song? <laughs> pull up, drank. Vaccine, drank. Drink, <laughs> drink the vaccine. They're gonna actually going to let me drink the vaccine tomorrow because I called the National Guard <laughs> guy a pussy. <laughs> I said, you won't let me drink the vaccine, will you? And he was like... Okay, if you really want it, brother, you. go I for it. I commend you. Not many people can can have the follow through on their dreams like you do. <laughs> not ma- not many people have the sheer stupidity to call a national guard guy a pussy as he's about to give him the second dose of a vaccine that will actually save his life if he were to yeah. get COVID. So, yeah. some people swag, some people stupid. I have somewhere in the middle for me. Right, right, yeah. right, right. So that's how I'm doing. Uh, big hydrating right now. And uh, talking to you, which, you know, feels insane sometimes to just talk to you, but doing good. You're wearing a hat, which is good. It ties into something that I will be doing later this week, which is talking to Ryan Maloney uh, on my favorite podcast. It's an Oakland A's hat. It is an Oakland A's hat. It's a gift from uh, my roommate, Colin. Yeah. Shout out to Colin. Um, Mason, should I do the thing where I say welcome to the show? I think that's a good idea. Welcome to it's on. Shh, welcome to it's on. <laughs> shh, shh, dude. <laughs> dude. Welcome to It's On The List. This is the podcast about underrated movies and music albums. Uh, I'm Noah Marger, your host of the show. One of the hosts of the show. Funny Talking Baby, Joker in Memphis. I am the Joker in Memphis. Yeah. Later this year, I actually will be the Joker in Memphis, but that's something for another day. Uh, here with me always is my good friend, Mason McGuire, a.k.a. Funny Talking Baby, a.k.a. Sleepy Joe Biden. Mason, hey, how hey. are we feeling today? So I'm not, so I, uh, Walgreens did that thing where they scheduled my shot four weeks after the initial one, which is, doesn't hurt anything as far no. as I understand it. So I'm fine to keep that appointment. But in any case, I still have a, fa- a fair amount of um, immunity built up just from the first shot as well as well I understand it. Most people in my house are vaccine, uh, vaccinated. Most of my friends are fully vaxxed if, or gotten their first or second shot, you know. Uh, and so I got to hang out with my good friend Max. Let's on go! Friday, on Friday after work. How is Max work. doing? Max is great, man. He lives really close to me. Um, he got to meet, you know, my roommates and my friends. And I was like, hell yeah. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a good summer. Watch the movie. I don't want watch the movie Smiley Face, which I'm very keen on, and I think uh, may have to be brought on this this pro- program at some point. But yeah, maybe, 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 maybe. Watch that. I really liked that. So just take that now, folks. Go watch Smiley Face with Anna Faris, directed by Greg Araki, anywhere you can, and then we'll talk about it later. Probably, you never know. Um, <laughs> Sounds like we're gonna talk about it at some point. Is what <laughs> like. uh, but no, it's been beautiful weather. 
I went to the uh, thrift store today. I went to there's a place in my neighborhood that is a free bookstore. You just go in, you can take up to fifteen books for free. Anything what the that fuck? Books. Yeah, dude. It's like that's a nonprofit just, or something. That's a library. Yeah. Wait, do you have to return the books or you just get to keep the books? No, you just keep them. <laughs> what the fuck? Are you serious? Yeah, it's it's fairly new. I don't think it's the first one either, but it was really, really tight. I yeah. uh okay. yeah. But What'd you uh, get? um I got like twelve well here's the thing, I got three <laughs> DVDs. I got three DVDs. Okay. I got uh Lo and Behold, Reveries of the Connected World, the Werner Herzog documentary, which I started, got fifteen minutes into and never finished. What that is a insane pick from a thrift store, bro. That's crazy. I had to get it. Um, I also got the Steve, uh, the Steve Martin, Daryl Hannah comedy Roxanne, which I saw as a kid and really liked. And I know if I put it on just like as a comfort, like just a half around as a comfort movie. Sure. And third and final get, Lockhart, the Dewey Cox story, baby. Let's go. That's it. That's the one. That is the fucking one. Uh, There's a fast fact later about the movie in regards to physical media that is going to make you pop off. It's gonna make pop is pop. it? It's gonna make you pop off. I was thinking like immediate boner and come like immediately. Like I was thinking more like in a in a cartoon where uh, like they they get so mad they turn into a a, a coke like a glass coke bottle to yes. get shook up and then the the uh, the cap flies off. That's gonna be you when I tell you that fast fact. We're doing a lot of previewing of the show. Today. Yeah, this is more than a, we usually do. There's, there's going to be a lot of cool do. shit coming up later, so stick around if you think this sucks major dick, because there's <laughs> going to be some cool stuff later. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Mason, that sounds cool. That sounds like you got some good stuff. Did you actually get any books with that, or just the uh, I did. Um, I got um, Henry James' Portrait of a Lady. I got uh, this book called Before the Mayflower about... Um, uh, black people in America before the Mayflower landed. Let's go. Uh, I got. Uh, oh, I got the Last Temptation of Christ, Temptation of Christ, um, the novel that okay. it was based. That movie was based off. Never seen that movie though. That's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. Trying to see where what else I got. Uh, I don't. So I have more books than I have space. Um, to hold on to the books. Yes. I got a couple art arty kind of books. I got. Um. Diving into the well, I think by Adrian Rich. It's a poetry collection. Holy shit, dude! Um, you wild it out. I love bookstores, man. I love bookstores even when they cost money. And the fact that it was literally no strings attached, take up to fifteen of whatever you want. I was like, fuck it, man. Did they have like a significant selection, or was it limited? Or it was what really it like? impressive, and it was just folks. Just um, I'll just I'll, I'll look it up and like um, either tack something on else on into the show or just into the show notes or something. But it was really spectacular. And again, I think it's probably I don't think it's the only one, but it's the closest one in my neighborhood to me. Nice. Um, that's in uh, Logan Square. It's up Milwaukee near near Central Park for the real shy heads out there. Uh, side dude, heads. Central Park is in New York. You're trying to fool me. And guess what? You <laughs> I just flipped. I just got my finger so close to the screen and flipped Mason off because he was trying to fool me about Central Park. It was really impressive. He like Noah did that thing actually where you like you know put the hand in front of your face really fast and then your um, expression changes. But he had Joker makeup on. <laughs> when I had Joker makeup on. <laughs> I was like, boys, it's Boy. only got a trick in Memphis <laughs> and just launched into it again. Yeah, Mason. Hey, hey. Enough fucking around, okay? 
No, no, fucking around. Oh, that's right. We don't have time for fucking around today, folks. <laughs> no, today is a very serious show because yeah. uh, we are on episode 69 of It's on the List, ladies and gentlemen. So we made it to episode 69, something that I don't think anyone expected us to do. We were the little engine that could. We were the little podcast that could in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I think that, let's get yeah. that trending, the little podcast. The little podcast that, that could. could. That's good for us, I think, to be the little podcast that could. Uh, but Mason, we're on episode 69. This is show number 69. That's a funny number. Would yeah. you agree? They, one would argue that's the funny fucking number. That is the funny fucking number. Just like how Stewie Griffin is the funny, the talking, funny talking baby. baby. And Brian Griffin is the funny talking, funny talking dog. That 69 is a funny talking funny fu- fucking number. Funny fucking talking number. number. Mm-hmm. The, the funny, funny fucking number. Mm-hmm. The funny talking. It's like how 420 <laughs> is the funny smoking number. Oh, so you would agree that 420 is also a funny number. Yeah, 420 is a funny number. Well, brother, you're going to love this because I have a little game for you today, Mason. I got a little game, brother. (laughs) Okay, we're playing a game today. It's called Buds or Butts, Mason. Buds or Butts. Oh, okay. 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 I see. Let's I've, okay. I've been Listen, I am seeing for Mason for a long time, <laughs> telling him that I'm going to play a game with him on episode 69, and now I think he kind of understands what it is. So this is actually a big moment for the pod, believe it or not. This game is very simple, Mason. I have ten things. I'm gonna call them things. I don't know nouns or okay. th- titles of things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read it, and all you have to do is guess if it's a sex position. Or a strain of weed. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> and you will do so by saying bud for strain or butt for sex position. This is great. My knowledge in one of these fields uh, is gonna more than make up for my lack of knowledge in the other. <laughs> I don't even know I don't even know which one is which, so I'm not even nope. I'm not even gonna even imply that it's one or the other. So why don't we just go ahead and get started, okay, Mason? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And let's for go. the for the listeners sanity and health and your sanity and health and my sanity and health you're just gonna have to trust me that one is one and one and like each is which because i do not have descriptions of them so okay. i'm gonna spare so you this is details. a trust exercise as much as it is a uh, a game uh i would say that is probably the meta game is do you trust noah to be honest with you about which one is a sex position which one is a uh, strain of weed so if i trust anybody it's you <laughs> That's good, because I'm fucking you over at every turn on this one. All right, here we go. All right. Number one. Number one, Snow Angel. Oh, that's a strain of weed. What? That's incorrect. There we go. Maybe there's there's some that double back on each other, but from my research, that is a sex position. And again, I'm sparing everyone the details on this one. Number two, the Kentucky Klondike Bar. That sounds like a sex position. Ding! Ding! Correct, Mason. That is a sex position. Here we go. Okay. One for two so far. Number three, Poochie Love. That sounds like a strain of weed. Ding! Ding! There Correct, Mason. There we go. There we go. All right. Picking up some steam. Mm-hmm. Number four, Girl Scout Cookies. That is a strain of weed. Ding! Ding! Damn, Mason. Okay, let's go. Three for four. Three for four. We're approaching the halfway mark of this game that took me hours and hours to <laughs> compile data for. It's kind of like when you make a... It is kind of like making a fancy meal for yourself and then having eaten it in 10, 15 minutes is basically how it yeah. usually goes. This is the same thing. Number yeah. five, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Alien. 
Uh, that sounds like a sex position. <laughs> Mason, that what? is weed, my friend. That is weed. I'm sorry to say that. It's a strain of weed. Okay. That's got to make you feel really weird. I don't know. Okay. It's got to make you feel like you could probably like fly around and do some fucking martial arts shit, probably. <laughs> Number six, mm-hmm. Alaskan Thunderfuck. Uh, that sounds like a sex position. That, that is bad. That's weed. Still, that's that is weed. weed. Also? That is weed, Mason. You are here. How's, here, here's here's my new strategy: get everything wrong so the game ends sooner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe just try your best. Number seven, <laughs> number seven, Charleston Chew. Uh, strain of weed. <laughs> correct, correct. That is a sex position, my friend. That's a right. position. And listen, I'm not reading the description of any of these to like spare everyone. Some of these are kind of nasty, you know. Hey, no shaming anything anyone likes to do in the bedroom. I mean, some things you should be absolutely fucking shamed for for doing in the bedroom if they're fucking abhorrent. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not gonna spare you. I'm gonna spare you all of you those details. Spare the details. All right, all right. So number seven is in fact a sex position. Number eight, full moon fever. Uh, strain of weed. That is correct. Ding, ding, right. ding. I'm cool. not keeping track of your score at all. Number I'm not n- either. <laughs> number nine, Swiss ball blitz. Uh, strain of weed. That is a sex position. <laughs> and last but not least, number 10, youth in Asia. Strain of weed. That is correct. Let's see. Yeah. Snow Angel, you got incorrect. Cluck and t- clucky. Cluck. <laughs> Kentucky Klondike Bar, I believe you got correct. Poochie Love, yeah. you got correct. Mm-hmm. Girl Scout Cookies, you got correct. So that's three for four. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Alien, you got incorrect. That's three for five. Alaskan Thunderfuck, you got. I wrong. think you got that one wrong. Yeah. Let's just say you got four out of ten and call it a day, okay? Yeah, forty percent feels about how uh, excited I was when that game was got started. <laughs> well, that this has been. <laughs> <laughs> Buds or butts. You can put whatever music you want. Uh, that was uh, the game that I've been hyping up to you for weeks now, so congrats. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm glad we're on the other side of it. Because you had such a good time that you would yes. not want to do it the entire time on the show. You would want to move on because you could easily do it the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hate having too good a time. Uh, I know that. I believe you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe that about you. Um, should we do uh, the album now or whatever? Uh, yeah, let's do the album. Let's okay. do the album. Uh, this is the Noah pick for the album. Mason was not excited when I told him this was the album that not I wanted really. to talk about. Uh, and I don't blame him, to be honest with you. Uh, but it is, of course, 2018, Kanye West. Yay. Yee, whatever you want to say. I don't know if it's year or yay. I've been I saying yay. I've been saying yay because it's Kanye West. So. Right. Um, Mason, you weren't excited when I told you this is what I wanted to talk about. Why were you not excited when I told you this is what I wanted to talk about? This was more of the, um, I can't believe I have to f- give t- my time to this thing. I thought I would never have to listen to this. Kind of like how I never thought I would ever have to watch the movie Click. <laughs> this is really in the same category for you as Well, not as, intense as with, not as intense as with Click, but I was just like, I kind of just like stopped really paying attention to Kanye West so much, and I just thought that I would never get to the last couple of albums that he put out. Actually, I, I heard the Kid See Ghosts album, or that project, and I kind of was like, okay, I can use this to close the book on Kanye. Didn't really listen to Ye before it came, before recording for this. Sure. Uh, and I was just kind of set on, I, yeah, I got set on, or I was just kind of more just going to be like, 
I can live my life never hearing this. It's not really a priority for me to go back and listen to this. And I don't know why, but you texted that to me and I was like, it makes sense. It's perfect for the show. I'm so mad I have to do this because there's so much other shit I would rather be listening <laughs> to. Okay. But why why have you been anti-Kanye West as of a certain spot? I haven't been anti-Kanye West. It was just um, so... I was a really big fan of him through college. Uh, I think I kind of like got really into him my senior year going into freshman year of college. And then I used to listen to good morning every day. Like when I was leaving my apartment (laughs) to get to the train, it was like the first part of that morning playlist was listen to good morning by Kanye West. And then just throughout college, he was just kind of just like always in the rotation, like on a kind of a Prince or kind of a St. Vincent or a talking heads like that kind of just, you know, like listening to him a lot. And um, then Life of Pablo came out, and I was a little more invested in that cycle. Um, it was Life of Pablo was 2016. That was like kind of a big transition point for just for me, you know. Um, and I for liked Mr. That, West, and for Mr. West, right? And I listened to that um, album, and I liked it a lot. Listened to it a lot that summer, and then you know, there's that whole Taylor Swift thing happened, and then I don't know exactly what happened, but uh, by the time this album came out. I had just kind of gotten exhausted by the guy. <laughs> sure. You know, um, and, you know, some friends of mine at the time were really into Kanye and still really stood up for this album. Um, but I don't even, because I was re- doing a refresh on this album in between listens and reading about, like, the production of it. And between like all, that. between both of your, between the two listens that you do for every album? Yes. Okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure that that was said during the episode at some point. Yes. That you listen to the album twice. Go for it. Nope, keep going. Uh, like, just his, his the, the truncated kind of production process, and I was like, okay, that sounds kind of familiar. Uh, or just, like, not, you know, like, that kind of, that story sounds familiar. Yeah. I remember this kind of. And honestly, I think that the album came out um, and that, album art dropped and I didn't know the story behind the album art but I saw that and I was just like is this guy I truly think my my reaction was is this guy getting the help that he needs okay yeah (laughs) and then the first track of the album is I thought about killing you and I'm like "Mm, I don't think I really need to listen to and I moved on from it. And then the Kids See Ghost Projects came out sh- shortly thereafter, and I was still a little sour. But the couple of songs... My one real good friend who was really into Kanye West was... Uh, not uh, My friend Henry uh, was not into... Ye- if To my memory, was not into Ye as much, but really was into Kids See Ghost, and I liked um, a couple of songs off of that, that album um, that year. And then I just kind of moved on until... You said let's let's talk about Yay by Kanye West, and so this my, album kind of was so, sort of yes. the breaking point for you in a in a, a little ways. bit, yeah, a little bit, a wow. little bit. And you didn't even give it the time of day. You literally said, "I looked at this, I looked at the album artwork, I looked at the songs, and I just I, said, no, thank you, Chef." I admit I was petty. I admit that it was, um, you know, not the most mature thing to do. I think this was. 24 when this album came out um an unfortunate age Noah (laughs) no and being 24 is awesome what are you talking about being 24 is probably the best age anyone on the planet could be except for maybe 69 or 420 those are probably the only better ages I can think of but that's cool Mason that you don't you stopped didn't listen to this album when it came out I don't blame you to be honest with you okay uh this is an extremely divisive album 
And yeah. Kanye's just yeah. kind of gotten to the point where he is divisive altogether because mm-hmm. it sort of used to be, you know, college dropout, you know, late registration, whatever. It's like, oh, this guy is like on the come up. This guy is like, you know, ascending very quickly. And then what's the name of the album that came out? Graduation. Graduation yeah. is sort of like, no, this guy's a superstar. This guy yeah. is like here to stay and he's going to be a powerhouse. And not only is he going to be a powerhouse, he is basically one of the like biggest artists in the world, if not one of mm-hmm. the biggest artists of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what you do in that situation when you ascend that like high. Clearly, you do 808s and heartbreaks. Like breaks. in the span of a like in a in a in the span of a decade. Not even because not yeah right not even not it's, even it's right. basically six years because my beautiful dark yeah. twisted fantasy comes out in 2010. The college dropout comes out in 2004. Okay, that's kind of nuts to think about. Yeah. That's fucking nuts. That is crazy. Because My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, I I think that's his best album, personally. I think that album is just straight up a masterpiece yeah, all the way yeah. through. Well, I will say the nice thing about this album choice is that I, I listened to Kanye West again for the first time in a while. Like, the stuff that I really liked, and I gave My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy a spin on a walk, and I was like, this is a really good album. Like, it's this insane. Is, like, it's, yeah. Dude, hold on. Let's go to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy real quick. Um, on the song, So Appalled, I don't even think it can list all the artists that are featured on that song, but it's Kanye, Jay-Z, mm-hmm. Pusha mm-hmm. T, Psy mm-hmm. High, The Prince, Swizz mm-hmm. Beats, mm-hmm. and The RZA. Mm-hmm. There might be more, but literally Spotify cannot, like, list all of the artists that are on that song. You, like, The RZA is like, you just see the R of that. Monster is Kanye West, Jay-Z, Rick Ross, Nicki Minaj, and Boney Vare. Gorgeous, you've got Kid Cudi and Raekwon. I mean, Blame Games got John Legend. I mean, Devil in a New Dress might be his best song ever. I think that song is, like, perfect. I think that is a fucking perfect song. That's me and uh, Runaway. I really like Runaway. I did a, a, a project, an oral project on Runaway my freshman year of college. Damn. Wait, what is an yeah. oral project? Like, I just did a speech on it. <laughs> <laughs> you sucked that song's dick to completion until it came Yeah, in. Uh, probably. Uh- <laughs> what, is the, what is the line in Runaway? It's, uh, I sent this bitch a picture of my dick. Yeah, I, I don't know, know what, what it is. is what is it? It's females. females. Yeah. But I ain't too good at that shit. Uh, that's awesome. have me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, in that album, I really do feel like that's like him at the height of his powers. Truly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got this huge production just like massive sound and then prop before life of pablo he takes a little break between solo stuff he does watch the throne with jay-z and mm-hmm. he does yeezus and i actually think yeezus is where the divide really happens i really like yeezus though i really like it too i'm not saying yeah. it's like the divide as far as like from good to bad it's just my beautiful dark twisted of- fantasy is this huge lush production album and Yeezus is like ugly and alienating and in your face you know what right. I mean it's like yeah. a 180 from his last solo project and I really like Yeezus too I think you could bring Yeezus on this show and we could do an entire discussion about that album mm-hmm. and I think there'd be enough to say but we're not talking about those albums today we're talking about Ye uh, and I heard this album the summer that it came out it came out in June of 2018 uh, that was a great summer for me. I'm not going to lie to you. I was having a mm. great time that summer. Uh, I was working two internships, which being in the car that much wasn't that fun, but gave me a lot of time to listen to things. It gave me a lot of time to listen to podcasts and really just sort of 
be in that sphere of being like, oh, what's coming out? What have I not listened to that I'm really mm-hmm. interested in listening to? And Ye comes out, and the Ghost Town is the song that I hear first from mm. from that album. Now, I personally think Ghost Town is one of his best songs of all time. I think that is like not only the crown jewel of this album, because let's face it, this album is extremely scattered and all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that it is truly one of the, his like five or ten best songs that he's ever made, truly. Uh, I think that it is cathartic. I think that it is just completely resonant. And I think the entire album builds to that point to get us to the point of Ghost Town as far as what it's thematically about, what it sounds like, what the lyrics are saying. I don't know. I think that song is just like mm-hmm. so fucking good. And that's the song that I heard from the album. And I was like, oh shit, this rocks. Let's listen to the rest of the album. Rude Awakening. Rest of the album doesn't really sound like that. Rest of the album sounds extremely. I'm going to say raw is what I'm going to say. It doesn't feel like it spent a lot of time being looked at, you know, and refined. It was like, here's the song. Here's the beat. Here's what I want to do. Let's just do it. And that was what he did. Quite literally, that's what he did. It was like, yeah, yeah. what were you going to say? I was just going to say, I think one of the biggest indicators of that is that a couple of these songs just don't have endings. (laughs) Wait, which songs do you think don't have endings? Well, I think I don't think that. I guess maybe just one, but no mistakes. I think just kind of goes right into Ghost Town instead of like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't. <laughs> Wait, I never, I never thought it didn't have an ending. I thought it was just like that's just how that goes. It's just kind of an abrupt ending. I don't know. I guess I just, I guess my point is, I guess my thing is, I just like that song a lot and wish there was more of it. But in any case, in any case, it does feel very. Um, Here's the thing. It's incredible that he made a, an album that's still this kind of interesting in, like, what, less than a day? Um, no, I think it was, like, two weeks he re-recorded Two weeks, everything. okay. Yeah. Um, but um, but I thought that he, like, like com- completely started over from scratch, like, right before it was supposed to be released. Yeah, I think it took a, I think it's two weeks, basically. He, like, had the album, and then he made some, did some interview or got some feedback or something, and I think he just scrapped it and, like did it in the whole thing over in like two weeks. I think that's what he did at least. I'm looking this up. I thought it was a much more truncated schedule. Uh, two weeks is say, still a fucking truncated schedule. It is. Yeah. And he, um, uh, well, that was the thing with Yeezus was he went to Rick Rubin and said, I want to have an album out in six weeks, uh, or whatever he said. Uh, <laughs> whatever the fuck he was talking about at that time. Something like that. It was a similar kind of thing. It's like, I want to, uh, I want this album to come out in, you know, six weeks or something like that. Um, I mean, and this album is also t- kind of hard to talk about this album without talking about Kid Sea Ghosts and Daytona by Pusha T, which I think Daytona would also be a great album to cover on this show because that album I don't think gets talked about a lot. But Kanye was just like, he was in his bag in a way. Okay, that you're right. Don't... It is. It was two weeks. Uh, uh, yeah, see, that's what, I, that's what I thought. Huh? Uh, <laughs> but uh, Daytona comes out. Pusha T. Kanye is like the executive producer on that. Kid See Ghost comes out. That's him and Kid Cudi. He's like the executive producer on that. And Ye was the one that came out first, but I think is the one that gets the most heat for being like rushed when mm-hmm. all those albums were rushed, so to speak, you know, in some yeah, way, yeah, shape, yeah, or form, because yeah. they all were sort of being stewed upon in sort of the same... It's the it's the Pixar lunch of Kanye works, so to speak. Sure. You know, he goes to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, makes three albums, one of which is solely his, one of which is him and Cuddy, and then one of which is a Pusha T album that he executive produces. There is, like, that... You have to recognize that that is, like, That's kind an of an amazing feat. It's yeah. an insane amount of work, an insane amount of pull to be able to be like... 
come to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. The fact yeah. that he could get people to come to Jackson Hole, to the middle, Wyoming. Yeah, Wyoming. <laughs> middle of fucking nowhere. That's amazing, you know? Yeah. Is Kanye kind of a dickhead? Yeah, he kind of is a dickhead. Yeah. But guess what? I think this album is pretty good. I don't think it's nearly as bad as people make it out to be. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's seven songs. It's basically the length of listening to 100 Gex, which I know that, you know, maybe that's a turn on for some people. <laughs> maybe that's not a turn on for some people. Uh, but can we actually talk about each of these songs? Just be, just real quick, mm-hmm. Mason. Yeah, definitely. Let's, um, let's talk about these songs. Let's talk about them in order. The first song is called I Thought About Killing You. I'm not uh, a fan of this one. I am not a fan of this one as much. I think the first two songs in the album are sort of my weakest points um, um i so my thought i thought about killing you um so my thought is that i think that the lyrics are so uh the lyrics just put me really off but i think that the production in that song is really really tremendous yeah um, totally. yeah but just um i i hear that song and it just kind of uh, uh gives you bad vibes gives me really bad vibes i'm like it just makes me, me my skin crawl a little bit. As much as I like the production and kind can kind, kind of move and groove to it a little bit, the lyrics I'm just listening to it. And I'm like, you can keep this to yourself, man. Like you can put, <laughs> you can find something else to put over this beat. Like I truly. Well, it's a weird song because the first part is like pretty much just spoken word, where he's literally says, "Today I seriously thought about killing you. I contemplated premeditated murder, like all that stuff." And yeah. then the second half of the song is. I called up my loved ones. I called up my cousins. I called up the Muslims. Yeah. Said I'm about to go dumb. And then it's just like this like, like weird <laughs> transition. It's just like this weird transition in the song. I think it's one of the weaker tracks. I think the first two tracks on this are the weaker spots for me. See, I really like Yikes, though, except for that really strange Me Too line. About Russell Simmons? Yeah. What is he? He's like... Russell Simmons, he got me tooed. Tooed. Um, fuck. If I, he, oh, fuck. I got to look it up just because it's so confusing. Because uh, it, like, it, he brings that line and then his conclusion is I would end up on E! News or something like that. Um, fuck, what's it called? What's the name of the fucking song? It's again? called Yikes, bro. Yikes. Yikes. Uh, yeah, I have no fucking idea, to be honest with you. This is... Wait, is this Yikes? It's in Yikes, yeah, because I was, so I listened, I really, I did two full listens of the album, and then I listened to every song I gave a heart, and Yikes ended up being one of them. Uh, he, yeah, uh, turn on, uh, so it's in the first verse, Russell Simmons wanna pray for me too, I'ma pray for him cause he got me too. That's it, yes. Think about what happened. Think about what if that happens to me too, then I'm on E! News. Oh, I'm not even look. I'm not even fucking looking at the right song. I'm looking at a Nicki Minaj song. Damn. Uh, yes. Russell Simmons want to pray for me too. I pray for him because he got me too. Not, didn't age well. Didn't really age well. Not a great time. Well. well, didn't even age correct at the time. <laughs> True. Just kind of a bad taste line. Uh, that song to me just kind of feels, I just don't really know what to make of it. It just sort of feels out of place, I feel like, on the album. I think is more my gripe with it more than anything. I don't necessarily think it's like a bad song. I just think within mm-hmm. the context of the album, it doesn't really sound sonically consistent and it just doesn't really feel in place thematically with what I think the rest of the album is about, which is family and, you know, mental health struggles at the end of the day. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. I can I can see that. I can see that. 
All Mine, I think, is, like, the exception because I think that's, like, the other side of the coin of yikes. That one just sort of feels like a club banger to me. Yeah, you know, like, I, like, I could be in yeah. the club or at, you know, a bar or something, and that song comes on and people are, like, dancing to it. I think it's fun. There's some funny lines in this one. Isn't I think it might be either in this or yikes where he's like, don't we all come from come or something like that? Yes, let me hit it raw. Like, fuck the outcome. A, none of us would be here without come. I mean... That's really good. That is funny. That's funny. Like, to have that in a song is funny. And it's just like, this song could be played easily in the club. It could be easily played at, like, you know, a nightlife type situation. That's funny. I think people would vibe to that. There's, like, a little bit of humor involved. And I like when things don't take themselves, like, ultra seriously. Which he can Mm -hmm. take himself ultra seriously, but I don't think this album really is that. I think this is a very introspective album where he's sort of really looking at himself, but also like recognizing his weaknesses, I think, in a lot of way, which I don't think a lot of the time yeah. happens in his other music, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, the songs that really stick out to me and I like the most on this album are the ones that are the more um, insular and inside-looking um, that would be basically starting from wouldn't leave through the end of the the rest of the album. I yeah. really, really, really liked the back. That's the best of part of the album, like without yeah. a doubt. That's the best yeah. part of the album. Wouldn't leave is like all about Kim's resilience, basically through their relationship and his ups and downs. Uh, no mistakes is basically just a tribute to everyone in his life. You know that stuck with him basically through all the hardships that he's had to endure. And listen. Does he have a lot of money? Yes, but he still has problems. Even, you know, Joe Rogan has problems. People who have a lot yeah. of money and a lot of privilege, they still have problems. Whether they're not your problems is a whole different conversation, but he still has problems. He has bipolar disorder. You know, that is yeah. not something that everyone has to deal with in their life. So, I'm, you know, I don't know what that's like. And, you know, he's obviously had a lot of happen in his life, and, you know, people have stuck with him. And I think that's nice that he's able to recognize that and put that into a music, you know, musically put that, you know, together. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Ghost Town happens, and you're like, this is it. This is the best. This is the best song on the fucking album. This song rocks. It's, like, cathartic. It gives me chills when I hear it. Makes me think of the summertime. I love this song. I love this song. <laughs> I think this song's great, dude. I agree. Uh, I put it on about so uh, about a half hour ago. I yep. was like, I have just enough time to listen to my favorite songs from this album. And it's a beautiful day in Chicago. It's 70-something. I got my shorts on. I just sat on the porch in the sun and put on Ghost Town. And I was like, yeah, man, summer's right around the corner. It's going to be cool. I'm going to have a vaccine. I'm going to be able to see my friends again. Um, Yes. I think, so I really do love Ghost Town. My favorite song on this album, I think, is Wouldn't Leave. Um, Okay. I, I really just like, especially after the first three tracks were kind of, I think, um a little maybe more like kind of confrontational and like just not like there's a he was saying something anything problematic in it necessarily but just offensive like a little more pushy sure kind of um, very aggressive yeah very aggressive thank you that's what i was looking for um wouldn't leave is just like so disarming and so tender and so i think sweet and vulnerable that it's really just like i don't know that stuff gets to me 
me in particular, so that's why I like this one a lot. That particular song the most, but you're, I think you're right that Ghost Town is one of Kanye West's best song and it was, songs, and it's just hiding out on this album. For It, it is. It's just yeah. kind of just here on an album that I think people just sort of look past. Uh, and this is like, you know, we bring on different kinds of things onto this show. We bring on things that maybe a lot of people haven't heard of before, things that maybe don't get enough love, and it's like, why doesn't this get enough love? And then occasionally we do bring on things that like are quote-unquote popular, or mm-hmm. like done by people that are well-known. They just were not well-received for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I think that this album just didn't line up with people's expectations of what they wanted from Kanye West. And I think that, Or they yes. were just tired of the guy, like I was. Yeah, I think I think it is less so that though. To be honest with you, I think it's okay. I think it's less so that they're tired of him and they're just like you know because I think you know put out you know put out an album, listen to it. I don't think it has a lot to do with the fatigue. I think it has more to do with just I don't think it lined up with what people wanted from Kanye West because he does Yeezus and then he does Life of Pablo and Life of Pablo sort of feels like the in between of Ye and Yeezus. You know, as mm-hmm. far as like. Some of the tracks just don't feel finished on Life of Pablo. I would argue some of the tracks on Life of Pablo feel less finished than some of the tracks that don't feel very finished on Ye. I think I would agree with that, even though I would give the edge to Life of Pablo a little bit. Uh, Life of Pablo's back half kind of stinks, except for No More Parties in L.A. That's my that's that's my fucking take. And I was actually it's talking like, yeah. to a friend about uh, friend of the pod Sienna about this earlier, um, uh, about um, how Life of Pablo is so front loaded, and the only good song on the back half is No More Parties in L.A. Uh, Violent Crimes is very good also and there's some controversy about who actually wrote that song but I don't have that in the fast facts and that album that song kind of looks ahead to the future and his daughters and stuff and I think it's a great way to end the album you know we've reflected we've reflected we've reflected let's look ahead let's talk about my daughter I would do anything for her it's awesome yeah I uh, like that I think that's where the juxtaposition between the uh, like just I don't know. I, I had a thought there that I started in my notes, but I didn't finish it. But I like that song an awful lot, too. Uh, and I agree with you that it's it's nice to end on a forward-thinking um, note after all of this, like, kind of just really intense soul-searching stuff or working through some aggression or something. It's very nice. It is very nice. Uh, the album art for this album is kind of shitty, but also that's kind of what makes it good, I feel like. Yeah. It's a good sky tonight post. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, now that you say it, yeah, it is a good sky post. Well, he took it on his iPhone. <laughs> yes, he literally took it on his iPhone. It is the fucking mountains and in green crayon or marker or whatever just says, I hate being bipolar. It's awesome. Yay. Uh, that sucks, but that's what makes it good. That is some Family Guy ass album cover type shit. Yeah, it's so. a real shit. Po- it's a real shit poster thing to do. It is. Uh, I'm done talking about this album. I think it's actually very good, and people don't get it the credit it deserves because of whatever reason. I think it's a good album. That's all I have to say about it. You want some fast facts? I love some fast facts. Great. Yay. Is the eighth studio album by American rapper Kanye West. It was released on June 1st, 2018 through Good Music, distributed by Jeff Def Jam Recordings. Following controversy surrounding an interview with TMZ, West re-recorded all the work on the album, with him completing it over the course of just two weeks in Westlake Ranch in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Succeeding the release of Pusha T's Daytona, the album was uh, the second of five seven-track albums produced by West in that were referred to as the Wyoming Sessions. <laughs> That's really, I love that. The Wyoming cool. Sessions. Yeah, we were just in the studio in the Wyoming <laughs> Sessions. It's fucking stupid. Uh, I think. Maybe you like it. Uh, which were said to be released weekly. 
It preceded the release of West's collaborative album with Kid Cudi, Kid See Ghost, titled Kid See Ghosts. I like Ye more than Kid See Ghosts. I will say that. Okay. I don't think that that is most people's opinion, but I feel that way. Okay. And I'm just going to say it. Go off, King. Thank you. Uh, on April 28th, 2018, West tweeted about a text conversation between him and West Lang. The text conversation included West showing the initial cover of the album, an explanation for of its concept, followed by him asking for help naming the album. Lang replied, love everyone, in all caps, for which West replied, I love that. <laughs> Just period. I love that. The presented cover art showed plastic surgeon John Jane Adams, Jan Adams, excuse me, or Jan, I'm not 100% sure, who I performed the Jan. Li- Jan Adams who performed a liposuction and mammoplasty operation on West's mother Donda West, which led to complications and eventually her death. Within the text Kanye West explained that he wanted to forgive and stop hating, implying that West was ready to forgive the plastic surgeon for the situation regarding his mother's death. On April 30th, Adams responded to the news of the uh, of the cover in a form of an open letter asking West to quote, "Cease and assist using my photo or any image of me to promote your album or any of your work while noting his willingness to sit down with West for a face-to-face conversation. I think that's interesting. I think that's interesting, too. Thanks. Growth. Growth. On April 27, 2018, after West traveled to Wyoming and made subsequent album announcements, he released he announced the release of his album... Excuse me. He announced the release of the track Lift Yourself that same day the track was released on West's website with it seeing West rap nonsensical words. West premiered a track two hours after Lift Yourself called Yay vs. The People, which features fellow rapper T.I. During an interview with Breakfast Club in May 2018, Pusha T claimed that a version of Lift Yourself was actual lyrics exists, and it indicated that it could be released on the album. However, Ye was later released without the song included. It was also rumored for Ye vs. The People to be released on that album, but ultimately wasn't part of it. Do you remember Lift Yourself? Do you remember listening to that? I think so. Um, I want to... S- oh, man. Well, you would remember if you listen to Lift Yourself because he literally comes out and goes, Poopity Scoop. Poop to oh, scoop. Oh, that's right. Poop that's scoop right. to whoop. Okay, okay. I remember the... Yes, I remember the poop to scoop to whoop memes. Yeah. So that song those. is the, like, ultimate troll because the first part of that song without those lyrics, so beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. so touching, so tender, so lovingly done. And then that comes in, and you're like, dude, fuck off. Go fuck yourself. That sucks. Hey. <laughs> that's, hey, that's just one guy's opinion. That's just what he did. That's what he did, though. <laughs> uh, a two-hour listening party took place for Ye on the night of May 31st, 2018, in Jackson Hole, with West broadcasting a live stream of the party through the WAV app. West invited a variety of guests, including Ty Dolla Sign, Kid Cudi, Nas, Pusha T, Designer, 2 Chains, Big Sean, and C.I. The Prince, among others. Members of Def Jam staff mobilized and organized. Let's go, mobilize and organize. People from various locations around the world for the party through the number of people originally planned to fly out for it was 300 until it was ultimately halved to 150. At the location for the listening party, the album's title was announced being Yay by Chris Rock shortly before the party began. That is so... That's so fucked, dude. That is just an insane way to do that. But listen... It works. I think it works. Um, the artwork for Ye was revealed by Kardashian, uh, revealed by Kim Kardashian to have been taken by West on his iPhone. On their way to the listening party, literally before the album drops, uh, hours before the release, it features a view of the Teton Mountains from Jackson Hole, the mountain range where the album was recorded and produced. The mountainous terrain photographed and 
photographed as natural, though it's questionable whether the artwork includes a skyline or not within that area in the terrain present at all. The text of the artwork reads, I hate being bipolar, it's awesome, which is scribbled in neon green over the mountain range like we previously said. And then two contrasting views of this album, which I think there are plenty of views to have on this album, but mainly it is I like this or I don't. Alexis Petitris of The Guardian stated the album doesn't feel slight, but a... Uh, What's going on? What are you doing? Sorry, over there? I'm getting some. Wa- I'm getting some water. I'm opening my water bottle. That's fine. I don't. Hey, I don't care. I just wanted to know what was going on over there. I wanted to be involved. I just wanted to be involved, dude. Just let me in. Uh, he stated he he opined that it is exhausting. Petrus wrote substantially more focused than its predecessor. It packs a lot into 23 minutes, which I agree with. It is bold, risky, infuriating, compelling, and a little exhausting. A vivid reflection of its author. Jones looks at Ye as, quote, an album that Kanye's, uh, Kanye, uh, an album about Kanye's state of mind, his family, and a narration of what's been going on his, quote, shaky-ass year. The beats are great. Lyrically, it's fine. Whatever you think of his politics, his songwriting, sample hunting, and beat making remain dynamic, surprising, and ballsy. And I agree with all that, personally. That's a good write-up. Eric Brown was less enthusiastic in Billboard, stating it's tough to ignore Ye's musical stasis, known for his forward motion on this set. West remains mired in the past, also commenting that, quote, it's a missed opportunity in the sense that it fails to measure up to his previous work and change the conversation around him. For all music, Neil Z. Young expressed mixed feelings, writing the album, quote, can feel uneven, sometimes boring, and more indulgent than usual, but it's a fascinating peek into West's psyche. Ren Graves of Consequence of Sound believe that, quote, on Ye, he's consolidating old skills, not testing out new ones. Adding that, quote, lack of wow factor combined with a short length makes the album feel somewhat slight. I personally don't agree with that. I think that is an introspective look at someone who doesn't really know what the hell to do, I think, at a certain point and can pretty much only do that. That's my view of it. My Mercedes Valuable Player is the lyrics, I've been trying to make you love me, but everything I try just takes you further from me. And nothing hurts anymore. I feel kind of free. We're still the kids we used to be. I put my hand on the stove to see if I still bleed from Ghost Town. I think that's so unbelievably beautiful and just the pinnacle of what the album is to me at its best. This gets a regular recommend from me. Mason, what the hell are you thinking over there? I'm thinking I'm going to give my Mercedes Valuable Player to the song Wouldn't Leave, like I said. I It is a... Um the, the two uh, Party Next Door tracks, I think, are the real highlights of the album for me, and Wouldn't Leave of the two is the one I can see myself coming back to a little with a little more frequency. Um, I think it's tender. I think it's nice. In just my past, you know, I like the kind of the, the softer side, the tenderer side of Kanye West as well. Um, but I'm going to give this one also a regular... I'm going to give this one a conditional recommend. No! Sorry. No, Mason, you were about to give it a regular recommend. Sorry. I did, and I changed my mind. I, because at the end of the day, I think that if you were, uh, didn't give this, if you, if this, if you were like me, and this one totally just, you didn't listen to it out of, uh, uh. Spite and asshole. And and, (laughs) being and being a little baby. Um, give it a shot. I think you'll like it. Uh, if you don't really care too much for Kanye West, I don't think that it's going to be interest as interesting to you. I think that if you had liked Kanye West in the past and you know either didn't like this, I think it's worth another go. But uh, I don't know if I would recommend this to just anybody. So the hype surrounding a Kanye album, whenever it drops, I think it just creates this big feedback loop and this big hype machine. And 
I just think this album is actually just way better than people give it credit for. I just think it has just been unfairly yeah. maligned. Uh, so that is that is what I think. <laughs> cool. So, so that is what I think about cool. this album. Uh, let's never speak of it again. Uh, Mason, what's next? Next, folks, is the movie for the week, Ooh. which was a Mason choice. Ooh. And folks... Noah was mad at me after how to how to get ahead in advertising. Yeah. And he made me swear that I would never bring on a movie that I'd never seen before to the show. No, 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 but keep going. <laughs> Not what happened, but keep going. No, really what he said is, can I end the bit of bringing on... <laughs> And I said, uh, and I said, okay. And uh, instead, I wanted to instead, instead, we're gonna get back to get back to the way things were. Brought on a movie I'd seen before, not in a while, but wanting to revisit it and been wanting to show it to some folks to see if it sticks and to see their opinions on it. And folks, that movie is 2006's The Lake House snap, with Keanu snap, Reeves snap, 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 and Sandra Bullock. And directed by some French motherfucker whose name I forget. I believe it is Alexander Agresti, but that is thank you. That is big time, like thinking about what the credits of the movie look like. So let's see yeah, if I'm correct yeah. on that. You also uh, got Christopher Plummer in this. You got Shoy Agda Agdalash Agdalashu. I'm not sure how to it quite say her name. It is Alejandro Agresti and Mason. He's Argentine. No, that's fine. That's that's fine that he's Argentine, it's bro. It's more no, a no that I'm wrong. Uh, okay. I've never been wrong about anything in my life. Oh, that's actually... Oh, fuck. This is a huge moment then on the show. Are you being wrong about something? Fuck, yeah. dude. Okay. Well, his name is Alejandro Agresti, and he is uh, 59 years old. In in the year of uh, 2021? Yeah. Uh, so he was 39? How old was he when he made this? This is not the math podcast. I don't know. Who gives a fuck how old he was when he made this movie? Uh, Who gives a shit about how old he was when he made The Lake House? I don't know. 59 is a little... 59 or 51? He's 59 right now. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I thought he was a little younger than, than... I, I'm, I'm, you got me fucked up, brother. Uh, let's get into the movie. Um, Noe. What? Had you... (laughs) Had you seen this before, and if you hadn't, did you have any other history with it? Hold on. Hold on. Just one sec. What are you doing? It was 15 years ago, so he would have been 44? Okay, 44. When The Lake House came out. Well, I just asked because he has a cameo in this movie. As what? Uh, He's the guy that sits next to Sandra Bullock on the train when she says... Oh, with um, the newspaper? Yeah, or we can introduce ourselves. That was I that made me him. that made me laugh so hard I shit my pants when that happened. By the way, <laughs> that was that's the funniest thing I've ever seen in a movie before. Oh, yeah. um, I had only heard of this movie before and had no interest in watching it before this or because, or before this podcast at all. Um, so yeah, that was that's that's my history with it. Um, my friends Leah and Rob uh, have been doing a Kanye or Kanye have been doing a Keanu Reeves film festival. Sort of, mm. and this is one of them that they did. I don't know if this was an official entry in the Keanu Reeves Film Festival, but our friend on this show, Aya Lehman of Aya versus the Big Boys, mm. loves Keanu Reeves. Uh, mm-hmm. Leah, my friend, also loves Keanu Reeves. He has had a little bit of a renaissance, a little bit of a resurgence these last yeah. like six or seven years from the John Wick movies. Um, yeah, yeah, John Wick has really been helpful for him, and then. Um, 
he's just he goes on talk shows and he's very 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 kind and sweet and he's in public and he's very very kind and sweet um but this was like it's so interesting that he was like uh after he was like bill and ted and like uh you know kind of an adventurous teen or whatever an adventurous young man and then he was neo in the matrix and then he was a romantic lead then he kind of was off the radar for a little bit, and now he's back as an action superstar in America's Sweetheart. And he's, um, like, much older than you would think he is, or at least he was yeah. a lot older than I thought that he was. Hold on, I gotta, gotta do the Google search. He is... I think he's 60? 56. 56, oops. Ah, <laughs> uh, Mason, this is the second time you've ever been wrong on the podcast. And it this happened is not just my podcast. Now. This is not my show. No, it's cool. I think you're, I think you're crushing it. Um, He's had two different partners, Jennifer Syme. And yes. Alexandra Grant. Yes, and I believe he his first partner, uh, his first spouse, uh, died tragically. Uh, That's and they true. Had a child. Yeah, yeah. And they had a, a child that was delivered stillborn. So this is a man that has known some pain. Damn. I didn't, this I literally am like hearing pain. that from you and reading it right now for the first time. That is nuts. I had no idea. Truly had no idea. Wow. Uh, shout out to Keanu Reeves for, you know, persevering. Uh, but Mason... Episode 69! <laughs> don't do that, dude. <laughs> don't do that ever again. Uh, don't do it till episode 420, and then you can say episode 69. Um, Mason, why the fuck do you like this movie? I want you to guess. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because it's a brief encounter film, Mason? I don't know. Maybe because it's There's kinda... a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on in this movie that I think is really, really... Um, Sweet, and I just think that there's. Here's my thesis for this movie. There's nothing wrong with a sweet movie. There's nothing wrong about a movie that is just. Um, sometimes you need a movie that just feels like a big old fucking cinnamon roll, and this is this movie for me. Um, and I don't. I think that sometimes movies like this aren't taken. I guess seriously or whatever. Um, but I think this movie is really elegant and really creative and really well put together. And I just kind of wanted to bring it on to talk about how fun it is to watch. I will. I agree with you to a certain extent. I think that this movie for part of it, mainly the first part extremely exudes the, I don't even know how to pronounce the word, but it's that Danish word for like coziness. Is it hug? Do you know what word I'm talking about? Couldn't tell you. There's Couldn't like, tell you how to pronounce it. Let's, you know what? This is the awesome, this is the Google episode. This is the awesome Google episode. Huga. Huga. I just listened to some guy on Google. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Little yeah. guy? <laughs> yeah. Let's play it again. Huga. 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 And that is defined as a quality of coziness and comfortable conviviality that engenders a feeling of contentment or well-being regarded as a defining characteristic of Danish culture. To be used in a sentence... Why not follow the Danish example and bring more huga into your life? Okay. I had heard that word first used to describe Nancy Myers films, uh, mm, who I don't sense. have a lot of experience with, but from what I've seen, I get. You know, it makes sense. There's a lot of friendship, a lot of, you know, feelings right on the fucking heart of the movie, you know, on right on the sleeve of her movies a lot of the time from what I've seen and what I know. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think the first half of this movie, The Lake House, kind of absolutely is what you're saying. It absolutely is like a big cinnamon roll. It's very nice. People live, they're living comfortably. Seeing people live comfortable lives 
in movies, you know, they have a nice apartment or they have, you know, things that you can tell they're comfortable in the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There is something very nice about that. And especially mm-hmm. mixed in with the the wintry fall vibes, you know, in this movie and the setting of where the lake house is in the movie. I agree with you. For the first half of the movie, I think it's really fun. <laughs> For the first half of the movie, I think that it's very fun to watch these people live comfortable lives with that yearning of life could be better if I was able to connect with this person through this mailbox. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, and then, Mason, the second half of this movie starts. Which is where it really kicks in for me. <laughs> that's interesting. But that's really where it kicks in for you because that's where this movie starts to suck dick for me. You're not a romantic. This is a movie. This is a romantic ass fucking movie. This is a movie about like love, like through love through the mail. Transcend. Like I love how loose this movie is with how this the way that they're able to communicate to each other is because after a while it appears like they stop writing letters to each other altogether and they can just tele like telecommunicate through esp or the power of like a uh, uh um a double exposure shot or something you know um that they're like talking to each other across years on the same park bench or something like that i think that's really cool i like that See, I don't think it makes a lick of sense. And that's fine that it doesn't make a lick of sense. Not everything has to make sense. But this premise, I just think, is kind of broken. Just, like, straight up. I think this is a broken premise for a film. I think that this is a movie that you can acknowledge its flaws ahead of time and just, like, sit back and allow it to happen. And if you do that, it's fucking great. See, I don't even think it's fucking great. I just think that it is boring in the second half. I think that once the (sighs) sort of, like meeting of them, you know, it stops being a correspondence and it starts being like, oh, now we're seeing each other, you know, in real life or not seeing each other in real life, you know, whatever you want to call it. You don't even like the party scene? The scene where they're at the party at, like, the middle of the movie? I don't know. It just, I just think it stops being, like, stops giving that me that hood. Okay, so you know, for, if, you're not, if you're not familiar with this movie, this movie is about Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. And Sandra Bullock moves out of this house, this beautiful glass house on a lake somewhere north in the city of and the north on the shore in the city of Chicago or like in the northern suburbs or something uh when reality they shot it in the south suburbs doesn't matter but in Whoa, any case she, what <laughs> they could yeah, do that shit they could do that uh but anyways she moves out and then uh Keanu Reeves moves into that house but does he move in before her or after her cuz here's oh. the rub here's the rub he finds a letter in the mailbox written by Sandra Bullock and in it, she mentioned some things that are not on the property of the house. Dog prints on the... Uh, there's a box in the attic. Dog prints on the bridge. Neither of those things are there. He's like, who's... This? He writes back this lady being like, who is this? What are you talking about? And then they figure out that they've been living in the same house, but two years apart from each other. And they start a little long-distance relationship through time and through space. And folks, will they get together? Will time let them be together? Will time catch up? It's really good. I don't know. Really <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> it's just I watch the movie and I still don't know what's going to happen to these guys. Uh, I don't know. I, I just thought it, I thought it got boring after a certain I didn't even think it was all that exciting to begin with. I didn't think that it was all that interesting, I guess. I guess I just don't care about these people ultimately was what it comes down to. And that's just... I think it has a lot to do with the premise of the film and just the fact that 
I just don't think the character is that interesting. I don't know what to say. Like, it's just one of those for me. Uh, and I think a lot of people agree with me. I think a lot of people think that this movie is, like, not that interesting past a certain point. So, I don't know. I don't have, like, strong feelings on it. Like, I don't think that it's, like, absolute dog shit, gutter trash movie <laughs> that needs to be, like, burned and, like, forgotten about in the annals of history. But I also don't think it's, like, damn, this is this, this is some dark this is some underrated shit bro this is some shit that only like you know your homies know about who really get it you know i don't know right i just think this movie exists and if you really are a keanu reeves completionist you'll probably get something out of it i like when he pours the soup into the bowl do you know what i'm talking about yeah i think that there's a couple fun um i i think there's a couple fun just um visual tricks in this movie i think that this movie is very um, well shot. I think it's a gorgeous movie, not just this talent that's on screen. I think it just looks spectacular. Um, and there's a couple, um, here's what I'll say. This movie loves its over, like, kind of God's eye, bird's eye view shots. Yeah. Like, down on people and zooming in. They really I do. think that's great. I think that's great. More of that, more of that, please, in movies. Um, this movie knows, also really knows how to, um, incorporate a zoom very well. Because in that soup scene, it ends, it like zooms into his reflection and you see the snow in front of it. And then he does a, a big old sneeze. Yep. It's very, it's very charming. <laughs> yeah. One of, maybe the worst on camera sneeze I've ever seen in my maybe, entire life. Maybe, but that's the charm. <laughs> yeah, that is, I do, I will say that is kind of a moment where I'm like, okay, I kind of understand the, the charm. This, this feels like, like the best version of a Hallmark movie. I feel like in a lot of ways, like, or like a lifetime yeah. movie at some level. Cause it's like so focused on just like. These people have to be together. You know, these people have to be together through this, through time and space. And I don't know. Anyway, keep going. What do you like about, what do you keep liking about this movie? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Let me pull out my notes. Mason's notebook. <laughs> um, know what this movie's about for me? What is it about for you, buddy? It's about connection. It's about being patient and waiting for a connection no matter how long it takes. Because that's the whole... That's the whole point at the end there. I, I I think I get a lot of I get like just a very good like kind of comforting it will all be okay kind of feeling from this movie you know, um because it's like if Keanu Reeves can wait four years, uh to uh be with Sandra Bullock the woman he loves, then goddamn it, you can do anything you can wait for anything. So, you ever seen the movie Beautiful Girls with Matt Dillon? And uh, Timothy Hutton. Uh, no. Directed by Ted Demi, actually, of all people. Ah. Oh, okay. Brother Ted. Brother Ted. Um, I think what you are describing, Beautiful Girls is that for me. Beautiful Girls, this is the, here's the, here's the synopsis. Here's the plot description of Beautiful Girls. During a snowy winter in the small fictional town of Knights Ridge, Massachusetts, a group of lifelong buddies hang out, drink, and struggle to connect with the women who affect their dreams, decisions, and desires. Hmm. That's the whole movie. And Michael Rappaport is in the movie, and he's being all right, and, you know, he's okay. fine, and he's just hanging out in the movie. And Noah Emmerich is in the movie, who plays Truman's friend in The Truman Show. Uh, Uma Thurman is in the movie. Rosie O'Donnell's in the movie. Mia Servino, a very young Natalie Portman, is in the movie as well. It's just like these guys hanging out, having fun. They're like, man, 
women can't live with them, can't live without them. Am I right? And I'm like, absolutely, bro. I absolutely feel you on that. Mm. Um, so I think that is this. I think that feeling of that coziness or whatever, you know, that just like conviviality that they talk about in the Huga definition. I feel that in this. Uh, and I don't want to take that away from you. If that movie, if this movie really just, you know, uh, pricks your finger in that way, I don't know why I decided to say it like that. But if it really just, you know, does that for you, I think that's great. Personally, I really do think that's awesome. And I think it could do it for a lot of other people as well. I also don't want to say, like, this is not a movie that I, like, would rate five stars or something. Like, I'm not saying that this movie is a masterpiece. I just think that you can, uh, uh, folk, people that may not be so inclined for this t- type of movie, I don't know, because maybe because it has Keanu Reeves in it, I thought that it would be a little easier to, uh, an easier pill to swallow, I guess. But I just think that this movie is, um, I don't know. Don't discredit just like the feeling of comfort. I guess this is one that I guess brings. Damn Dude, it! Just it fucking really say what you, you want to say. Just fucking say. I don't know, it. man. I uh, fuck because I'm really shooting myself in the foot just because I was so in this movie, like watching it and enjoying watching it, that my notes are kind of fucking useless. Um, yeah, I hey, <laughs> been there, brother. Been there. Where my notes are useless. Talk about tenth grade history class. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Where does this rank um, in the pantheon of Chicago movies for you? Uh, probably. Well, that was the other thing I was going to say. I think that this is also just a very, uh, this uses the city of Chicago about as well as uh, Stranger Than Fiction. And that's, I think, Stranger Than Fiction, I give a little bit more of an edge to, because this is mostly like downtown. And nothing against downtown, um, and I think that they do a good job of showcasing just the different ways that, like, especially, like, the different, the architecture downtown, especially how they, um, they really bring home this point of, like, architecture as, like, this, 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 this concept or something to capture light, just, like, the way that it captures light and sure. how the light is different, and, and I really like that, too, it got me thinking about just, like, without bring like, that got me thinking about, like, just not just the, the purpose of, like, art and architecture and stuff like that, you know? Like, I think that it's, there's things in this movie, um, like, it's not just a uh, kind of, uh, it, it, I think that the, the reading it as a Hallmark movie is fair, um, I guess. You don't, you don't I, actually think that. You don't think that's a fair reading. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I... <sighs> fucking me up man i hate when i have to talk about shit that i like on this show that's why i don't do it i don't do it because i'm not good at it um that's, that's crazy <laughs> that's a crazy thing to say but i feel you uh some other chicago movies backdraft the blues brothers yeah. Candyman, yeah. cooley high which i've never seen uh cooley high i really uh admire i really like cooley high uh, it says here in this Vulture article that The Dark Knight is a Chicago movie. Well, it just it was shot there. Uh, I think that's fucking insane to say that The Dark Knight is a Chicago movie. That movie it's came. a Gotham movie, and it was shot in Chicago. It was a Gotham movie, but they for some reason they shot it in Chicago, probably for tax incentives. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Fugitive, uh, High Fidelity, Home Alone, Hoop Dreams. Damn, there's a lot of good movies shot in Chicago. Medium Cool is a great movie that was shot in Chicago. Love that, bro. Yeah, this is this is a movie that I think uses the city really well. Um, in particular, just downtown. I like how it makes downtown seem very like kind of um, ornate and classic. You know, like there's a lot of kind of um, no has never been to Chicago yet. Yeah, but if you Teaser. ever get downtown, Teaser. if you ever get downtown, <laughs> Noah, um, you'll see that it's this nice. It, it, right now, in 2004 and 2006, it was before. 
um, they really started to tear out some stuff, which had already been in process for, you know, generation before. But I like that this show, this movie showcases like the, the clash between the clash and the union between like these kind of like these glass and steel and like really, um, huge buildings right next to kind of more, uh, stone and in you know kind of uh or classic yeah, ar- architecture like that and shows time- yeah right 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 exactly um i i like movies about time passing i think this is one of my favorite movies about time passing because it's not just like you know um the people that are going to be really important for you are existing at the same time as you without you even knowing it and this is like what if you could break that barrier like what if you could meet the per- like meet someone in this movie, it's the love of your life. What if you can meet like the love of your life, your soulmate and communicate through them for two years through the mail before you meet them in person. You know, you can modify that like a little bit. Um, and I, you know, it would be fun. I think story, I think to modify, but it's, and I, I like that this movie, um, takes that premise seriously. Um, and isn't like kind of cute. It's cute. It's nice, but it's not like winking or trying to be like sarcastic about it or anything. It's a very earnest movie which i really really like um and i appreciate on that kind of level like it's just everyone involved with this movie was like yeah we're making a movie about people who fall in love through the mail uh and they live two years apart he plants a tree for her and it grows in the rain and it shields her from a storm (laughs) um he uh uh christopher Plummer is this like crotchety architect or whatever uh there's a dog they have the same dog they, they meet have the two same years er- dog the same dog yeah. is fucking nuts when they reveal the same dog i was it was like we must have the same dog and i'm like there's no way they have the same dog and sure as shit they you know, have that, the same the same dog, dog. <laughs> okay i'm gonna play the prices right theme again <laughs> All right, that's enough of that um <sighs> mason i don't want to talk about this movie anymore okay that's fair uh, I love it. I really do love this movie. I think that it's worth. I think it's worth it. I think it's worth a try. The actual house did not exist and was built for the movie, then dismantled. Mm-hmm. And using Google Earth to see the house, enter four one dot seven one four two. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> this is what I wanted to pull up. Actually, wait, wait, wait. What is this? What are the coordinates? Four one dot seven one four two. Mm-hmm. Negative eighty seven. Okay. Dot eight nine zero one. Okay. In the window and on the fly to tab. This will take you to the center of the lake. Zoom in to the clearing on the eastern shore, then select April twenty ninth, two thousand five as the date, and you can see the house. Uh, give me that one more time. No, <laughs> Mason. <laughs> okay, no. fine. I'll give it well, to you after the show, bro. But it's uh, April 29th, two thousand five, is the date on the eastern shore of the lake. Okay, what's the next fact? Uh, John Cusack was the first choice for Alex Weiler, but he declined. What do you think? About Interesting. That? that would be a different movie. I like I like Keanu in this though, um, just because he is a. I think that this movie needs a... If John Cusack was in it, he'd be like the kind of, I guess, uh, wiry, more eccentric sort of leading man type. I like that this is just like a hunk (laughs) with a heart of gold. Yeah, total himbo mode. Very himbo. Mason, I previewed this fast fact earlier in the show, but this is the first movie to be released simultaneously on DVD, HD DVD, and Blu-ray. 
Hell yeah, bro. This is the first movie on Blu-ray? No, that's not, oh, what, I, that's not what I said. It's the first movie to be released simultaneously sorry. on DVD, HD DVD, and Blu-ray at the same time. I didn't even know they had Blu-rays back then, to be honest with you. In 2006? I didn't know that. I think they were just starting. Yeah, it was the genesis of Blu-ray. Yeah, you could probably get a Blu-ray for $150. <laughs> the tree in the middle of the lake house at the beginning of the movie is leafless. We only see branches. When Kate looks back at the house one last time, it is looks as though the tree is covered in red fall foliage. That's cool. Nice. That's cool. Cool. The lake house measured 2,000 square feet and sat on top of steel beams 10 feet above the waterline. It used 35 tons of steel and required nearly 100 carpenters, welders, and painters to build it. That's cool nice. to me. To me, that's that cool. cool. Mm-hmm. The Lake House is a remake. This is not a movie yes. you would think is a remake, but it is a remake of a South Korean film titled Il Mar from 2000. And the name, uh, and it is also the name of the exclusive of the restaurant, restaurant in the movie. In the movie. movie. <laughs> Excuse me. I think it's time <laughs> to go to Il Mar. The film is set and filmed in Chicago. The lake house itself was built on what is called Maple Lake, located within the Maple Lake Forest Preserve off 95th Street in the southwest suburb of Chicago, Willow Springs. Mason, do you have any adventures or feelings about Willow Springs? My uh, dad drove us to see the house when it was built. The lake we house? We didn't see it. Yeah, we didn't see it. It was boarded up. I think they were getting ready to dismantle it and bring it back. But we drove to Maple Lake and saw where it was. Similarly, the town of Riverside, um, my aunt lived in that town for a little bit. And I always pass it through it on that train line and through that train station when I would go into Chicago from the Downers Grove train station. Holy shit. Uh I can't. I I freaking out hearing you say that. <laughs> the house was actually built on dry land and then flooded to appear that it was in the lake. Uh, after filming, the house was required to be removed and a simple fishing dock was put in in place. The downtown scenes, of course, are filmed in the loop. The scenes where Kate and Morgan go to Henry's office and the dramatic exit next and Kate's dramatic exit down the stairs were filmed at the Chicago Architecture Foundation. So that's a little bit for the Chicago heads out there for you shytown town homies. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, this film holds an approval rating of 35% based on 156 reviews with a weighted average score of 5.01 out of 10. That is the, that's about as small over five as you can get to like get that be slightly above average. Unforgivable. Unforgivable. Uh, this is at least a six or a seven. <laughs> uh, this is at least a 5.02 out of 10 if you ask me. Uh, however, Ebert... Your boy, oh, excuse me, the site's critical consensus state, the plot of the lake house is a little too convoluted and the film fails to pull off the sweeping romance it aims for. That's maybe where I stand on it. However, Roger Ebert and Mason gave this film its most positive review and ranked it 3.5 stars out of four, noting that, quote, it succeeds despite being based on two paradoxes, time travel and the ability of two people to have conversations that are under the terms established by the film impossible. What I respond to in this movie is its fundamental romantic impulse. Ebert praised Bullock and Reeves in their respective role, calling them both enormously likable. While pointing out the movie's logical inconsistencies, Ebert said, Never mind, I tell you. Never mind. So that's your boy Raj coming in clutch for you. Yeah, we agree on that. Uh, we agree on that. I 
yeah, I guess that's my thesis on this movie. Um, and I guess it's just kind of a, I'm using this movie as a vessel to talk about (laughs) just, I guess, a philosophy of mine, which is it is totally fine to recognize that something is patently ridiculous, especially a movie is patently ridiculous, and just not let that sort of dressing get in the way of the emotion, I guess. Sure. Um, I think that that is a impulse that you can teach yourself to overcome, and this is a movie that you can use to get over that. Because it's just, at the end of the day, you're watching a movie where you want two people to fall in love, and I think that the 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 obstacle that's put in front of them, which is time travel and the fact that they don't live together and how they have to overcome it. And yeah, the movie makes some cor- cuts some corners to get there. But to me... Basically cuts through the middle of the fucking maze, if you ask but me. But to me, it, it's a, still a satisfying experience, motion picture experience. I don't disagree with you on the whole of that philosophy. It just doesn't work for me here. So I'm going to give this a no as far as recommending it. But I am going to give my Mercedes valuable player to him pouring soup and then sneezing. I thought that was cool. Hell yeah. Uh, I am going to give mine to production designer Nathan Crowley, who I'm looking up right now, has done a lot of impressive work. Also worked on The Dark Knight. Uh, he looks appears to be Christopher Nolan's production designer. Done a couple good Chicago movies, Public Enemies, uh, the aforementioned Dark Knight and all of that. Uh, but I think that this movie uh, looks tremendous. I think that the lake house itself is very impressive. Shouts out to Nathan Crowley and all of the artisans and other crafts folks that may not be credited who got that thing built and put up in uh, the middle of a fucking lake sure. in the suburbs of Chicago. That is something to celebrate. I am going to give this one a big ol' recommend. Not a, not a full recommend, but a big ol' recommend. And I think that if you turn off the thinking part of your brain and watch this movie, you're going to have a good time. I think that you're going to be satisfied. I think that this is a movie that most people would like, and especially if they watched it with someone that they love. So do that. Uh, he's going to make a movie in this year, or he's going to be the production designer for a movie that's called Ron's Gone Wrong. The story of Barney. Is that the sequel to Don John? Shut up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, dude. Let me do my let me do my shit over here, bro. The story of Barney, an awkward middle schooler, and Ron, his new walking, talking, digitally connected device. Ron's malfunctions set against the backdrop of the social media age launch them on a journey to learn about true friendship. That sounds fucking awful. It sounds so bad, dude. I'll give it a shot. It's animated. I'll give it a, I'll shot. Give it a, I'll give it a shot, too. I don't give a shit. Um, also, Clifford... The mo- once you can go back to a movie theater again, I'll see anything. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that far, but I'll see some shit. I saw... I watched Nobody. My dad and I rented the movie Nobody, the Bob Odenkirk movie to watch in our oh, yeah. little media room, uh, which was the first, like, new movie that wasn't on streaming that I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Cool. Better than Lake House. Uh, that's it. <laughs> that's the whole show. That's all that's we got. The whole show. We did it. Episode 69, brother. Episode 69. We did it. Uh, you can find the show at the links in the description. Don't forget to rate, review, and or subscribe. Why not do all three? Just do it all. Um, you could, yeah, you can find me, Mason, on my other podcast, The Barn, a podcast about the Shield, and on Instagram at Hot Dog Becky or at Good Sky Tonight, uh, where I'm making uh, all of Kanye West's future album covers uh, <laughs> on Instagram. 
Jeff. But that's about it. Um, Noe, what about you? What do you got in the kitchen for the folks? Oh, baby. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Noah Marger on Twitter at Noah.Marger on Instagram. You can follow me on Letterboxd, Noah Narger over there. You can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast, a podcast about people's favorite things. Like I previewed at the top of the show, I will be talking to Ryan Maloney, writer for Merry-Go-Round Magazine, about baseball and the Oakland A's this Thursday. Uh, so if you're listening to this the day that this show comes out, it came out yesterday, go listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, who else, I don't know if anyone else uses anything else to listen to podcasts, but if you do, we're not on SoundCloud, but uh, who cares? And you can also watch uh, your Wild G, your local government stuff on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, YLG.world on Instagram. Your local government comedy on YouTube. And guess what? All that shit's in the show description link tree. Yeah. Oh, you don't have to go very far. Mason, where do you have to go to find all this stuff again? In the notes in the description. Oh, I also think that if you like Randy Newman, you should listen to the album Sail Away. Been listening to that a lot lately. The album That's cuts, a good album. The album very cuts album. slap on that. Uh, Memo to My Son is a beautiful song. So is Dayton, Ohio, 1903. And so is Burn On. It's about the Cuyahoga River, and it actually scares me a little bit to listen to that song. It's a little creepy. But I love it. Mason, bring us home. Folks, as always, black lives matter. Black trans lives matter. Abolish, defund, fuck the police. They're still out there. Uh, make some dinner for your friends. Get your vaccinated friends together. Get to a little potluck dinner scenario. Just hang out with them. It's nice. And uh, if you can't do that, give them a call. Tell them you love them. Tell your mom you love them. Tell your grandma you love them. Tell anyone you love them that you love them. And while we get the next show together, until we, until next time, that's what I was trying to say. Until next time, uh, see everybody. See ya. Bye.